Hello listener, welcome to Switch. Are you not entertained? England's summer of Baz remains in full bloom after the Test team completed a 3-0 whitewash of New Zealand. There's no time to rest on their laurels though, with another test against India later this week for 12 limited overs internationals in 25 days. It's enough to make anyone consider whether they've had enough, which is reportedly what Owen Morgan has been up to, with England's white ball captain expected to announce his international retirement later today. Plenty to get through then, but the pod is ready to run towards the danger, as always. Joining me in the studio today is Andrew Miller, ESPN Cricket Invo's UK editor, and we also have senior editor Osman Samudin dialing in for a slice of the action. Good to have you both on. Uh, Osman just beaming out from a screen there. Um, this is the future. Miller, perhaps you can start by answering a question that seemed to flummox Brendan McCullum yesterday, speaking to Sky after England had completed victory at Headingley. What is Bazball? Yes, indeed. Well, Bazball <laughs> is the term that I seem to have come up with on this very pod um, back in May. Um, it was. It's basically... Um, my prediction was that England would play exactly as Brendan McCullum did with his New Zealand team towards the end of his career as as their test captain. And essentially it boils down to never giving up. We will keep going for the win regardless of whatever gets thrown our way. And lo and behold, that's exactly what England have done. England have kept going for the win even after being 55 for six. Um, they basically said, we're not interested in draws. We're going to win. And if we don't win, we're going to lose. And if we go down in flames, we'll get back up tomorrow and try again and try and win again. I, I love it. I, I think it's fascinating. It's it's exciting. It's everything that English cricket needs to be. And we've seen in the last three test matches, it's everything the fans want as well. The the, the crowds have been completely engrossed um, by everything that's been going on. And given uh, the slightly moribund state that English cricket was in after the winter, um, it's already the shot in the arm that um, we've all been crying out for. So um, Basball is Basball is good. That is what Basball is. <laughs> it is Jack Leach concussing himself on the first morning at Lords. Uh, it's chasing two hundred ninety nine in fifty overs and everything in between. Um, Oz, and, and then coming back to take a ten for, by the way. <laughs> well, exactly. On the first morning and exactly. then finishing a ten for on the final morning. And we will we will get to that. Um, Oz, we were up at, at Trent Bridge. Um, and saw Johnny Bairstow take flight there. He, he went full jumbo jet in Leeds, scoring 233 of 201 balls uh, in a quite extraordinary uh, display of batting. Ben Soakes keeps saying that England are just going to come harder, and I, and I guess we have to believe him now. Well, yeah. I, he, he said this at the end of Trent Bridge, didn't he? When, when I think Mel, Mel Jones asked him, like, what, what next for Headingley? And he just said, come harder. And we were like, wait. How do you go harder than this? And it turns out you do. You turn 55 for six into, you know, 360 or whatever. I, you know, the, the thing about, what, like, the more you kind of think about it, the more you hear about, like, baseball and stuff, it's actually, and I know it's been discussed to a, to a degree, but, like, I, I wonder whether Ben Stokes actually has, like, the oversize influence in that equation of, you know, McStokes as... as as somebody oh God, has, coined, has coined this thing. Yes, I'm sorry. I, I had to. I had to do it. McStokes, Baswell. But you know, the thing is, like, so, so the two Stokes dismissals that really stand out for me. One at Trent Bridge, um, which myself and Alan saw in the first innings. You know, when England were still like 115 behind, I think, mm. with, with Fawkes to come after him, and and he hold out to deep mid wicket, slow sweeping Michael Bracewell, the beast, and then and then trying to monster Neil Wagner over mid-off and, you know, not getting even close while England were kind of meltdowning. Neil um, Wagner's second ball at, as well. 
Exactly. While, while, Having you know, tried England to do the meltdown. same thing to the first ball. Exactly. Heading me. So, I, I, like, I feel like those two dismissals actually, like, perfectly in, encapsulated what I think they want from the team. And I think Stokes doing it and, and putting his own kind of, you know, reputation or neck on the line by playing those kind of shots and, and not worrying about whether he gets dismissed, um, kind of, I, I think it, 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 it explains basketball, like, better than, you know, stuff like bringing the sexy back and stuff. That is it. And that's what McCullum used to do so much, right? And, and, the, and the one innings of McCullum that everyone remembers from is from that last test when, you know, he had that half fastest hundred in the first innings. But in the second innings, of course, he, he got out slogging a ball after he'd hit a six with New Zealand effectively minus 30 for four in that test match. And they lost it, of course. But it was beautiful, you know, because Baz was doing it. And I, I think it's that kind of almost reckless... But very kind of, I'm set in my plan. I know what I want to do here. Even if it is reckless, I'm going to do it. It's that kind of thinking that I think is true basketball. And I think, I think Stokes' influence in doing that with those two shots as well is just to let his, the rest of his team know that, look, you, you can look silly, but it's fine if you were doing it for the right reasons. You've mentioned um, they're bringing sexy back or the, the sort of... Justin Timberlake test cricket crossover that we weren't expecting. Um, and, and, and I mean, clearly, uh, Stokes has kind of alluded to this, that they're, they're going to fall on the face at some point. That it's not always going to be sexy, pretty. Um, and in, in fact, Miller, it was looking like it might turn out pretty ugly on the second afternoon in Leeds when England were 55 for six. Um, Stokes having got out, um, as, as mentioned, with the charge at Neil Wagner. Um, but there, there was no backing. I mean, this was a major test of the McCullum approach, and there was no backing down. And and the results, results were well, stellar, mind blowing. Um, choose your objective. Well, indeed, and and in fact, I, I'm I'm in awe of his response to this. And I, I, again, I, I love it. He he's come out after the game and said that he wants England to go too far. He says, look, <laughs> keep going. I I don't want you to back off. I want you to find out your limits by failing. He's actually he, he's actually looking for England to lose a test match, essentially, just just to work out where their parameters are. How hard can you push this approach until it snaps? It's a bit like, I mean, it's a, it's a bit late for spoilers because everyone should have seen Top Gun by now. But um, you know, the early scenes of Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick, the original. No, the second, the second one, the second one where, where Top Gun Maverick. I is, haven't seen it. Oh well, well anyway, it's, it's not a big deal. Basically, he's, he's taking on, he's trying to take on Mac Ten in in his supersonic jet. <laughs> And you can imagine what happens, but essentially he pushes the limit and it goes bang. And at least he's proved he can do it. Okay, he went a bit too far and, and, and the whole thing disintegrated, but he got there. And that's the point. Where, where is your limit? Where is your limit? Is it, is it where you think it is? No, it's further than you think it is. That's essentially the, the message he's, try, he's trying to push out there. Um, and I'm all for it. It's, it. And, you know, we're going to come on to Owen Morgan and his legacy in due course. But as, it's, as everyone well knows, Morgan and McCullum, peas in a pod, those two were, were, were very much part of England's revolution in 2015 in white ball cricket. And that was such a big part of, of Morgan's message to his England team from the depths of 2015 is push your limits. You know, first day of, the, of their new regime in 2015 against New Zealand, they got past 400 for the first time by pushing their limits. And that was even after Jason Roy got out first ball of the match. So, you know, they, they, there's... There is the same. The same philosophy is now being bled into Test cricket. It's like we we don't back down. We keep going harder. Keep going harder. And someone somewhere is going to snap before we do. Essentially, uh, and that that's uh, mm. that is the 
that is the message. That is baseball, and um, I I can't wait to see what happens because it yeah someday they will go bang, uh, but the rest of the time they'll be walloping. So England were were six down um, at this point, facing you know a, a near enough a three hundred run deficit. Um, and Oz, then <laughs> a partnership followed, which was um, let me get this right. It was two hundred and forty one runs in uh, forty six overs or, or thereabouts. Between <laughs> this was between uh, Johnny Bairstow and the debutant number eight, uh, Jamie Overton. <laughs> Uh, a man who you'd spoken to um, uh, as a Mahmood in the build-up about, and, and we'd been expecting, you know, to be talking about his his fast bowling. Uh, he was brought in as the sort of point of difference, the quick uh, option, the ninety mile an hour um, head <laughs> head banger. Um, and it, 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 there was, I think, there was a, a not a throwaway line, but it was the bottom of your piece where Azar mentioned that he could become, you know, a genuine all rounder. Um, <laughs> He ended up scoring 97. I think he became the uh, first man, or, well, no one for England on debut since W.G. Grace had scored that many runs and taken a wicket. Um, I mean, if he'd scored 100, he would have become the first man since Grace to score 100 on debut and take a wicket for England. Uh, there aren't many people in that club. I think Azam Mahmood is in that club. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, the, yeah, one of the few. This wasn't really what we were expecting to be talking about Overton for two days into the test. Not really, but you know, like so, so we had I had gone to this this county game. I think it was Surrey versus Kent in Beckenham, where you know Azar Mahmood was on the sidelines just looking around. But the the thing is, Overton was batting at that time, and and he was stonking sixes like down long off for fun. And when he was talking them off Darren Stevens, hi Darren Stevens. You know, yeah, I mean, that, let's say Darren. the real reason why you went to Beckenham. To, <laughs> Darren Stevens was Darren the real Stevens. reason why I was there. Yes, <laughs> but I happened to see J.B. Overton batting there, and 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 I swear to you, Azar Mahmood was actually more excited about his batting. He really wanted him to get a hundred, and of course, you know that was the famous game where they made seven thousand runs without a single century in in that sorry <laughs> innings. Right. And I think Overton was out four ninety seven. I think also to, like trying to slog. Over long off, but he he was being serious. I, I'd asked him when I when I spoke to Alzheimer, I said that you know who who does he most remind you of, and he kind of at first threw away this line saying um, Azar Mahmood, and I was like ha, 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 yes, but no seriously, who does he remind you of? And he was like oh, I'm being serious. He reminds me of me, and I was like well you know you were like a early to mid eighties kind of seamer, mostly in like one day cricket, and he was like can I remind you of my three test centuries? And I was like yes you can, and, and you have done <laughs> all against South Africa. And, and I think he, he was being genuine in that he thought that he could bat. And I think, I, I, I don't know, you know how, much, how much faith England had in his batting, but I, I'm guessing that they expected him to do something along the lines of what he did. Maybe not to the extent that he did, because, you know, they broke records, him, him and Bairstow. I think it was the, the highest seventh wicket partnership England have yep. ever had. Yep, for England. Right? Yep. Um, so I, I don't know if, if they expected that, but clearly <laughs> they, they knew that he could bat. Um, and 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 Azhar, you know, just exchanging messages with him through through the test match, he was very happy. He, he he was kind of he was looking on like a concerned parent. I think when he was bowling, uh, you know, because he had a couple of spells there where you could see some of the old habits kind of creeping in. But I think he was very happy when he was batting and 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 just very pleased about it. And yeah, it it, it was 
it, it's weird how it fits so beautifully into the whole narrative of baseball. Like, you know, he comes in, it's his first test, and hey, bingo. Well, Stokes. <laughs> He's part of baseball as well. Stokes did actually say after the match that, that that was the encapsulation of everything he wanted from yes. his team. He, it, it, was, it, was, it was the one thing he really, really majored on, saying that, you know, he, he couldn't believe how quickly. England had taken on board the message of positivity, mm. but he's pointed at that that particular performance from from his his debut at number eight as this this is proof already that the message is filtering down. If a, if a if a brand new player can get it on first attempt and produce that, then and this is another thing that McCullum has gone on to say today is like I want this message to filter down into county cricket. I want everyone in county cricket mm. to realise this is the way to be noticed. This is the way to play if you want to to carry on this message because again Stokes was was talking about it, impressively legacy minded for a guy who's who's still in his prime frankly um he was saying mm. that this is, really isn't about us this is about a, a a way of thinking and a way of playing that we want to encapsulate everything that's best about England for for future generations he's already talking about that that, that we want it, again it harks, harks back to Morgan's legacy Morgan is a a guy who's basically done kind of like what Alan Border did with Australia's test team back yeah, in the 90s. Yeah. He's he's led a revolution and then got to a point where, oh, I'm not actually relevant to this revolution anymore because there are so many people coming through who are younger, fitter and better than me. And that, that yeah, that's quite a right. remarkable place to be. And that, that's kind of what Stokes is already alluding to. He, he He's challenging the young guns all around the county cricket to get excited. I think this this is this that, is this that's is why happen. I think like Stokes actually as as much as as much as Brendan McCullum himself Stokes is like and and of course Robert Key for getting them there in the first place and presumably with an intention to do exactly what's happened or you know near enough to what's happened but that's why I feel like Stokes is such because England are, are, are truly lucky to have he is he is one of the great all rounders you know of, of the modern era undoubtedly and you know he'd probably end up there as an all-time great. I, I think it's amazing that they have somebody who can not only talk like that about the game and want the game to be like that, but also enact it out on the field. And and, and it was funny, I was speaking to Monga yesterday, Sid Monga, who, you know what, like a cussed a, a old kind of curmudgeon <laughs> Sid Monga is generally, right? And, and he was say. like, damn, if this is basketball, I might start loving England, you know? Like, what's going on here? Johnny Bairstow's thing. And he was saying that, you know, one of the things that he finds really interesting about Stokes and McCullum and, and similarity is that, like, they're both, you can see genuinely that they just love the game. It, it's not so much about even competing or, or winning and losing. They just absolutely love being out there and doing crazy things with the game. You know, and, and you, you can see that come through in the way Stokes plays, that it, it's almost, and he, he almost said it at Trent Bridge, right? It's, it's almost irrelevant to what you and I think of how a match situation is. He's going to go out and play it in his own way because he thinks this is what the match is and this is what the match needs. And I'm just going to play it. And, and it's really nice to see somebody just play the game for the sake of playing it. Um, and in the process, you know, they, they, they create beautiful pictures and they win and they create all these feel-good vibes and stuff. That's a nice bonus. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the vibes, uh, as we know. I mean, uh, Miller, one of the questions about a Stokes captaincy was the burden, you know, it would place him under uh, star all-rounder, you know, um, a, 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 a key man, man in the field as well as with bat and ball um, and he does seem to sort of field everywhere now he just, he's just you know he's moving around he's at mid-off suddenly he's in he's in the gully he's fielding a, a, a deep mid-wicket or he's at leg slip um, but actually he seems to have whether he's shouldering all this himself but he's removing the burden for, from everyone else I mean um, whether it's 
as Oz mentioned, McCullum or Stokes or, or you know, who is the, the prime mover there. Um, Stokes has spoken very well. Um, and, and look at two players who were key in this test. Um, Johnny Bairstow, uh, who we mentioned, uh, but, but Jack Leach, um, who claimed a 10-wicket haul is made in uh, 10 for in tests and, and was sort of um, glowing when when he spoke about Stokes at the end of uh, day four, I think it was. Um, I mean, in very different ways, you know, two different characters, um, but they've both thrived immediately under the the responsibility or, or, or just the the request from their captain to go out and be themselves. I mean, absolutely. I mean, Leach's Leach's performance was was absolutely imbued with Stokes. It was incredible to watch the mm. the the way in which he just lit up thanks to a captain who trusted him. I mean, it, you know, it was it was a it was a bit of a bit of a tacit dig at Joe Root's captaincy. To be perfectly honest, some some of the stuff he was saying afterwards mm. about how how he's never felt more more involved and more 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 in, loved by the team essentially. Um, but I mean, there was one the one particular wicket that really encapsulated everything that um, that Stokes has done for Leach here and that was uh, Michael Bracewell in the second innings uh, I think it was the second two balls after being tonked for six I think Leach wanted to put put mid on mid on mm. back to, to to give him a bit of cover and basically told no you keep your man up <laughs> tempt 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 to have another go he had he had deep mid wicket a few metres in from the boundary as well basically playing on on his ego there was no I think there was no ring on the offside no 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 point no no cover basically encouraging Encouraging him to have a hoon, whether it's through the offside or or over the leg side. He went over the leg side, miscued it, and hold out to deep mid wicket. And that was that was basically Stokes's captaincy writ large. He he is an incredibly good captain already. Um, not simply because of his tactics, but also his willingness to lead from the front. And you know, going back to what Oz was saying about his dismissals so far this series. I mean, in many ways, and and it's ironic really that. Uh, you know this this harder, faster, gung ho approach doesn't actually suit Stokes to to the max, in my opinion. Mm. I think I think he would be far better off if he was allowed or was allowing himself to play a little bit more like he did at Headingley, and you know give himself time to find the middle of his bat by back. Headingley in twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen, <laughs> indeed, yes. Headingley in twenty nineteen, mm. give himself time to really find the middle mm. of his bat with with straight straight defensive shots, and then suddenly realise, yep, I my eye is so far in that everything is going into the stands now. He hasn't allowed himself to do that. That, that innings at Lords was, was manic. Uh, he got away with it thanks to Colin, Colin de Grandhomme's no ball, which, mm. which, again, we cannot forget, that was a massive turning point in the series because mm. England would have lost that test if Stokes had got out then. I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. Um, he didn't get out and he found his range. He beat Ajaz Pazel out of the series with two, two sixes and over, which, again, was... You know the, the contrast between that left arm mm. spinner bowls two overs for twenty two and doesn't get seen again compared to Leach bowling seventy point however many overs mm. uh, after a pretty bruising time in the second test as well. Um, it, it's it's a, a, a huge huge show of faith from from Stokes in that regard and likewise you know his 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 charging down the wicket to to Wagner in 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 the in the attempted fight back at Headingley. It, it, I thought it was the right thing to do. He was he was going for mm. he was showing his team this is this is how we get out of this hole. We do not retreat. We don't yeah. go into our shells. We go for it. He went for it. He hold out. It happens. But you know, out comes Bairstow, Out comes Overton, uh, and they they find a way to to stay positive and and get England back into it. It's 
it's actually inspiring and um, long may it last. And, and as I say, there will be days when 55 for six does not end up being 360. <laughs> it will end up being 59 all out. And we'll just have to suck that one up and, and accept that this, these are the highs and lows that, that, that you're going to have to live with. Because England have basically said, we aren't interested in draws anymore. We are, we are all, about, all about winning and all about losing. And we're willing to take that gamble. Um, final point, rather than wittering, but if you look, if you look at Joe Root's record, I don't have it to hand, but it was something like 27 wins, 27 losses, mm. and not many, very many draws. If you were to take even 10, say, of those losses, uh, that, that perhaps, perhaps England went into their shell too soon, got bowled out anyway, lost heavily, when if they'd had the, had the courage of their conviction to go for it, they might have won. If you say that, you know, you take 10 occasions that England lost that if they'd gone for it and had mm. had a go, they'd have won. Suddenly you're looking at Joe Root having a record of 37 wins and 17 losses. And then he's up there with, with one of the yeah. great captaincies. Brilliant-esque. Brilliant-esque, exactly that. I mean, that's kind of the logic that England, I think, are taking here. It's like, it, we, we, are, we are very, very used to losing. <laughs> and we're very used to losing in a very, very defeatist and, 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 and self-defeating way, frankly. Let's start losing in a way that actually, up to a point, is a coin flip. And I can't, I can't see a fault with that. I always used to laugh at the, the sort of, uh, one of Shane Warne's uh, favourite co- sort of commentary uh, uh, crutches was, you have to be prepared to lose to win. But this is actually... Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Is actually, actually, completely true. The gap, yeah, yeah. the gap he was instinct. He'll be smiling somewhere, I'm sure. Yes. I mean, um, and, and Oz... I had one, one quick question about this. Well, is it, it's correct, right, that Stokes was kind of reluctant initially but was that to lead that that is but that was that mostly because he thought he would be kind of stabbing root in the back because root is such a good friend was that the only kind of reason for his reluctance i prob- for his probably perceived reluctance probably yeah i think he said he he um wasn't interested in it but i mean this was when he when root was captain mm. um and then he, he spoke to key didn't he after root had sat down and said I am here if you want me to do it, sort of thing. So okay, I, because I think... Root had gone in a, in a correct manner or whatever, in a manner that he was fine with, and it wasn't seen like he'd be, he'd be kind of yes. stabbing him in the back or whatever. But yeah, because he he's taken to it remarkably <laughs> well for somebody who was, you know, perhaps reluctant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yes, it is remarkable that um, uh, how seamless it's been. The, the, they are Stokes' team already. I mean, on the on that. Point Miller's made. A, 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 I'm not sure. It must have been right at the start when um, Ian Ward was interviewing uh, Stokes. Sort of sat in the the pod thing that they used to use mm. during COVID. Uh, it was on one of the late cut um, bits that that Sky ran after the end of the series. And Ward uh, said to Stokes, "You know, NASA's thing when he took over the captaincy was making them." grittier and harder to beat and all this and Stokes said well, I'm going to play for more draws no nah, that's not what I'm going to do <laughs> um, and, and obviously the, the proof the proof has been in uh, in the viewing over the last few weeks and and was kind of the one of the uh, lots of benefits of playing attacking cricket playing fast cricket you you know more time to in which to force results um, but also it it constantly puts your opponent on the back foot. And, and you could see that increasingly with New Zealand through the series. I mean, as, as Miller says, if Colin de Grandlom hadn't stepped over, they might have won, or they probably would have won the Lord's Test. That, that was a, a pretty even scrap throughout. And, the, and steadily, things kind of went away from them. They've had some bad luck, um, injuries, COVID tests and, and all that. But by, by the point that England had recovered from 55 for six, 
um, <laughs> there didn't really seem to be that much doubt about how the, the test was mm. going to go, even when sort of Mitchell and Blundell were compiling their fourth century stand of <laughs> of the series. Um, you know, a word for them, they both batted um, remarkably well. I think Mitchell um, surpassed Martin Crowe's record um, yeah. for yeah. a series runs. Um and uh, and Tom Blundell scored nearly 400 as well. Um, only only Root and Bairstow were above him. Um, but you know, the, <laughs> the, the, there was no sense really that New Zealand were going to be able to set a target that was that was testing enough. And that's remarkable given England. Uh, I mean, no team has ever chased that many three times within the same series, that many runs. Um, those those three chases are, are are in England's top sort of 13, I think, of all time. Um, yeah, top twelve, I think. Uh, I, I read. Yeah, and uh, but <laughs> kind of once once England got going, um, and even with a, a calamity run out and and Zach Crawley still not being in very good form, uh, you, there wasn't really much jeopardy about the whole. Uh, uh, the, well, the fifth day obviously it was a bit of rain and so on, but the fourth innings, um, yeah. You didn't. You weren't surprised about the way things uh, turned out. No, no, not at all. I mean, you know, once once we saw what happened at Trent Bridge, I mean, like these three chases. You know, these are chases that happen. Like, I think I would guess that they happen like a like a big two hundred chase, near enough three hundred chase happens in Test cricket like once a decade, maybe once every five years these days. They've done three in like a month, <laughs> you know, which is and, and and each one has looked more more inevitable. Than the last one, so like Headingley was just you know, New Zealand. It's a side that scored like three hundred twenty twice in a Test match, and like still looked like at Headingley, no less, and still looked like they would be on the losing side from the moment almost England started their chase. Um, and 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 Headingley was a very different surface, by the way, to to Trent Bridge. You know, Trent Bridge, you could kind mm. of say, okay, you know, the ground was kind of built for that kind of hitting. Uh, the boundaries, the outfield was like glass, and, good, and the pitch, pitch held together. Although, you know, yes. it, it had pace and bounce in it. And you know you you could score at that base, but but to do it then at Headingley, you know, two innings in a row, and then to do it in chase, it is it, just insane because Headingley was slightly different, good pitch for batting still, but there was enough in it, you know, for the ball, like the 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 the, the wobble ball that Southie got Ollie Pope with on that on that you know final afternoon, there was still like stuff there, and, and Trent Bolt's not a joke <laughs> at all. Southie may look like by his numbers that he's had a bad series, but. Actually, he's bowled well. It's just England have bullied him. You know, Stokes, the number of times Stokes has stepped down the pitch to him, is it, it's not a coincidence. It's not random. I think he's, he's targeted the fact that, you know, he is slightly slower than the other bowlers. He bowls these lengths that you can attack um, and, and you take a chance. You, you hope that the ball doesn't do that much off the pitch or in the air that it beats you. You take that chance and you attack him straight down the ground and Stokes has done that really well. So, you know, it, it, it's still, I think Bearstow has been the key <laughs> Like at one level, it seems so so obvious that somebody should have told Johnny Bairstow ages ago that listen, you know, just, just play this like you play the white ball game, <laughs> yeah. and and you'll be fine because you've been you've been a legend in the white ball game for so long. Why aren't you doing this in the red ball game? But I think Vish and Vish and Matt both made the point yesterday that I think it is it has definitely helped that England have had to bat last and chase because that has focused their minds completely. This is the chase. However much time we have, we're going to do it. We're going to go this one way, and that's the only way we know. You know, it'd be interesting to see how they go about the game, batting batting first. Uh, it it may happen against India. You know, whether I don't think it'll 
change their approach, but it'll, it'll make it interesting because, you know, third innings of test matches are those really awkward, clumsy ones where you're not quite sure how long or how fast you go. And, and that's the situation that I'd, I'd just be interesting to see how England kind of approach that. So I think, yeah, you know, it, in, a, in a way, in, in hindsight now, it seems that, ah, yes, of course, this is Morgan's legacy being passed on to test cricket. <laughs> and luckily, or happily, England batted to chase a target three times in this test series. And, you know, presto, it, it all kind of came together. I, I think they'll go about it the same way, but it'd be really interesting to see how they attack those kind of, you know, the third innings ones. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's very true. It's a, if you look back even before this new era, um, most of England's best performances were were chases. I mean, Headingley twenty nineteen obviously is the is the classic one, but there was Joss Butler's mm. chase, Joss Butler and Chris Wokes yeah, against, against Pakistan. Pakistan in twenty twenty is another another one, and even Morgan in in his white ball career, he he always preferred a chase. England, you know. England became almost almost boring in a way. <laughs> they would never never want to set the target. Always wanted to chase. Even even the other day in in the Netherlands, they were they were they were batting batting second to to chase and rather than trying to trying to trying to set set, set themselves a five hundred first on the foot on the board. So uh, yeah, you're right. It is it is going to be it is going to be a big a big test of their mentality. But I like to think that England will be equal to it simply because of the the lack of fear that is now already mm. within the system mm. is that the, 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 that third innings fear. I mean, best in capsule, but for England, Adelaide in 2006, I mean, the, the paralysis that yeah. kicked in on that occasion, I don't see that being quite the same factor. I mean, it doesn't mean to say England won't get it wrong and won't, won't screw yeah. up from time yeah. to time, but I don't think they'll, they will get stuck in the way that, uh, they might have done in previous uh, previous incarnations. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, I think they'll go with it with the, with the same kind of spirit that they play every other innings. It's just it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You know how it pans out. Whether they go bust in trying to go too hard and not too long, or whether they go really long and they make that fourth innings impossible for whatever side you know has to chase something. Mm, yeah, sometimes sort of thrashing your way to three fifty won't be enough in in the first innings um, to set up a game. A uh, well, few other things to sort of um, pick through, but particularly McCullum spoke um, about Zach Crawley in, in, in the aftermath at um, Headingley. Crawley, you know, didn't didn't have a good series. Uh, however, you cut it, I think averaged fourteen something like that. Um, and uh, England have another test beginning in three days' time. Crawley's in the squad. It doesn't look like there'll be um, uh, any changes there. Uh, you know, they're going to back the man. And Crawley is, I suppose, if you look at his um, his record and some of the innings he's played, he's the kind of uh, batter that if he clicks uh, and he sort of backs his method, it, it will come off. Um, Miller, but that you know, that's quite quite a big um, statement early on uh, for McCullum to be saying, you know, I will talk to him exactly as if he's just scored 300s. Um, when I mean Zach Crawley has barely scored 300s in his first class career uh, and uh, you know we know about his talent but he, he's looked you know really stuck um, for, for a method uh, and, and kind of his series was summed up a little bit in that final um, innings whereby he absolutely creamed a cover drive which ended up running out Alex Lees um, and then got a few away before chipping the spinner to, to cover. Yeah, I mean, um, he's he's absolutely devoid of any confidence, any form, but I, I still maintain it would have been a really, really weird message to drop him. It sounds odd, mm. even, even, even given the series he's had, but 
in light of in light of everything everything we know about what England want from their team, the positivity, the the sense we're all together, the sense that England have actually won handsomely three matches in a row, and it's a winning team regardless of what you think about the individual components. Um, you you can spin it, and I'm sure McCullum will spin it that actually in the context of a chase, a big chase, having a guy doing what Crawley did, somehow finding a way to just just banish his incredible self-doubt and it must he must have been through the floor with doubt when he ran out Alex Lees I mean to, to nail your best mm. shot of the game and then run out your partner who on his home ground or former home ground as well I mean absolutely everything going <laughs> wrong and he responds by lashing the best bowler in the series for four boundaries in an over uh, you know he found a way to mm. just just banish the doubts he's almost he's almost so far gone it's like well there's only one way one way for me to go here and that's Go gung ho, and it came off ever so briefly. And if you look in the look in the scorebook and take away the context, you look at a guy at the top of the order who's blazed twenty five from thirty three to set up a run chase. I think when he got out, there were fifty something for two in fourteen overs. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that in 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 the grander scheme mm. of we are setting up a chase. They'd taken taken a big, you know, what the best part of a fifth of the chase taken out by the openers. That's not that's not bad. If 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 all if all basketball is, if, is basically a, a use of your resources, in the same way that white ball cricket is about using your resources. You use mm. your resources all the way down the order to get over the line. That's not bad. That's you know that's that's that's, that's almost throwback to to old school Sri Lankan pinch hitting. You know it, it, you know yeah. with or at the top of the order. Just have have a thrash and you know, get away with it for a few overs. Get out before 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 you've really got started. But suddenly you've taken a massive chunk out the out the target. That's kind of what Crawley inadvertently ended up ended up doing. Even though he was his thrashing was almost like the thrashing of a of a, of a, of a drowning man. But that that's that's by the by. The fact that England have kept faith in him will give. Ollie Pope more faith because you know even with an average right. of forty four from the series, Pope won't won't be strutting around thinking he's nailed it. Far from it, you know. The way he got out in that third morning was exactly mm. the same way he'd been getting out in single figures in previous innings, just uh, being too jittery at the start of his innings and not aligning his off stump and getting it flattened. That's happened an awful lot this series, but you know he's got it right on two very important occasions and played two very important hands in two very good victories. So all of this does add up to a whole. And that is really the, the, the message that England wants. It's like, we are a team. Everybody contributes. Um, it doesn't matter so much the extent of that contribution, so long as it is one. I think also with the, the, the one thing, and we, we sometimes overlook this, uh, Crawley was like three dismissals in the series. He was done over by like a left-arm genius, completely. Like, especially the, the two deliveries that he got out to and the setups at, at Trent Bridge were just like world-class left-arm pace bowling. Him not knowing which way it's going to go and then, you know, just cutting away from him. And and then I know people looked at like the way he got out bowled at Headingley. That was like an immense strength bolt spell, you know. If it hadn't been for, for the result of this game, we would be eulogizing about this spell, mm. which was an amazing kind of left-arm. But he, he got done by three good dismissals. And I think Sangakara in a different con- context, was, was talking about it on Sky, saying that, you know, sometimes when a batter gets, gets out, You've just got to like kind of keep that in perspective and and think and and know that you just got out to like a really good ball and and you couldn't do much about it. So you know I, I'm I'm guessing that that's probably the kind of reinforcement, positive reinforcement that he'll be getting from guys like McCullum and and even Stokes. That listen, you know, three of your dismissals in that series were to world class balls that probably not many people would have done much about. 
and and on that you could um, you could look at Ollie Pope for someone who got cleaned up as comprehensively as he did three times I think uh, um, yes. in the series but uh, Bolt Bolt did him twice didn't he um, uh, once at Lords and uh, and once at Headingley and then and then obviously the second innings um, but to have still scored um, a fair chunk mm. of runs and you know that's backing your method um, and, and uh, on Miller on your point England have also invented we should uh, mention I think the uh, night pinch hitter, uh, as as Jack Leach was preparing to come out uh, on, on the fourth evening, when when Stokes apparently was keen to try and chase them down in uh, in forty seven overs or whatever it was, two hundred and and ninety odd. Um, but before we move on, um, I, I think a word for Matthew Potts' series. I mean, um, as mm. I was mentioned, Trent Bolt was the the bowler really of the series, the leading wicket taker, um, and yeah, very unfortunate to uh, end up three uh, nil on on the wrong side of that. But Potts Miller, fourteen wickets at twenty three point two eight. I think Vish described him as a bowler who would run through a brick wall and then clean up the debris after. Um, I mean, he has been <laughs> quite fine for eighth or ninth. Can I? Okay, uh, cab off the rank, really, um, as far as uh, county in England goes at the start of the summer. Um, he's been phenomenal. He has. He's been absolutely magnificent. I, I really, really enjoyed the way he spoke uh, after his mm. debut performance at Lords. I thought he's he spoke with eloquence. He spoke with intelligence. He looks like a guy who gets it from the word go. He He's mm. completely bought into the team methods and he is delivering with the sort of stamina, he reminds me of Darren Goff, not in the not in the way that he not in the same speed or even the same skills, but just the the, the willingness to just keep hurtling in and giving it everything, every single ball, and giving very little away insofar as you know, he might bowl the odd ball that drifts into the legs and gets nibbled away, but you never get the sense that he that he's that he's just phoning in a spell. He's always always on that length. He's I think I think Vish described it as fast nip. Uh, that he basically has his ability just to not lose pace off the pitch. And Mm. so even though he's only 82, 83 miles an hour, the ball is coming onto the bat hard. The ball is is always relentlessly attacking off stump. Uh, And he's capable of producing vicious and unexpected swing. I mean, two particular, um, you know, in-swing to... I think it was Daryl Mitchell, the LBW, that that, that wasn't uh, and Mm. and an outswinger. Um, or inswinger, but going the other direction to uh, Blundell got him got him LBW twice, and one of them was overturned. The other one probably should have been overturned and, and wasn't because DRS was down. But both of those balls were hooping really unexpectedly, really dramatically, and and just showed that he's got he's got techers and he's added the wobble seam over the course of uh, the winter as well. So he's uh, he's he's just he's just picking up skills and and he he does the does the necessary and i think um i think it was mike selvey who said this he 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 likes the way he's built he's, he says he's built from the bottom up which basically basically he's got a fast bowler's ass which is which is um a something, gus fraser ass well gus fraser matthew hoggard had it as well <laughs> a lot of guys who just just look like they've got strong legs they're, they're they've got the they've got the the base to, to be good trunk a base to be and darren goff likewise he had a good trunk guys who just look robust and this is, you know, again, very important. And, and likewise, it, it's not insignificant in that regard that he is more a product of Durham and Durham's ability to produce mm. exceptional fast bowlers from, you know, Harmison to Onions and all the way down and Mark Wood as well. Uh, you know, some of the some of the most robust seamers that England have had in recent times have come out of Durham almost, you know, 
coming out of that academy rather than being fast tracked through the lions and 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 getting getting turned into 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 factory food it's um it, they're actually you know the real deal proper proper organic fast bowlers coming coming out coming out of the north there so it's really it's really quite exciting to see and um i th- i really do think he's a keeper i think he, i i i'm sure he you know after 14 wickets at 23 in that series there's absolutely no way he won't be playing uh, against India next week, um, you know, it basically comes down to with Anderson coming back, England are going to have to mm. remove either Overton, who got 97 on debut, or Stuart Broad essentially, because Potts is, as far as I'm concerned, first name on the team sheet when it comes to England seamers at the moment, and that's a remarkable thing after after three three Test matches. Indeed, um, as speaking as someone who uh, once split the seat on their wedding suit trousers, I can say there's definite value in having junk in the trunk. Um, <laughs> Osman, uh, England to play India in a Test match in in three days' time. Um, is this is Basball going to work out here? I mean, there's a there's a whole lot of unknowns uh, going into it. Um, not least the fact that India have changed their captain and coach since uh, they, mm. since this series began uh, almost a year ago. Uh, obviously, a re- the rescheduled fifth test. Um, India leading the series two one. What are how, will they be quaking in their boots? What what um, what? Will uh, Jasprit Bumrah and Mohammed Shami make of being charged um, by by the likes of uh, Stokes and, and Bairstow, do you think? I mean, it, it should be fun. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the question isn't that whether whether or not baseball will work out. It, it the, the answer is that it will happen. Whether, whether or not it works out is kind of irrelevant to the point. It, it will happen. They will play the way they do. And but what I'm what I'm really enjoying about this this like kind of the build up to this test match, which you know kind of properly starts from today because the test series only just ended yesterday, and, <laughs> and there's all sorts of other cricket happening. But what I really like is the fact that you know usually when India come over, there's all the attention on them as oh you know the biggest baddest team in cricket coming from the biggest baddest board, and they're coming to England for a five test series which only the Aussies do otherwise, and, and India is this big, and India's newfound status, and India is such a sexy side, they're the best side in the world, most deeply resourced. Nobody gives a crap about India right now, because everyone's talking about basketball. Everyone's like, hey, hello, what have England done here? They've reinvented the wheel, for God's sake. And, you know, India have gone through some pretty major shifts in the last year. You know, since they were last year, they, they've now got Rohit Sharma as, as captain. They've got Rahul Dravid as, as coach. And we had, like, you know, Ravi Shastri is going to be, like, commentating on this test match. And, and he was coached <laughs> for the first four tests of it, even though he you know, he had COVID in the fourth test, I think it was, three days in or whatever. Um, Eons ago. So, yeah. like, you know, India come in, and, and for once, they're not, like, the kind of, I, I don't want to say exotic, but, like, you know, the more kind of interesting side to look at. Because, you know, usually with England, it's like, yes, you know, it's been for years, it's, there's been this kind of weird stagnation or stasis where, yeah, yes, Joe Root's the captain, he's the best batter. And yes, Broad and Anderson, we have to talk about them. And yes, all our fast bowlers are injured and we have no other batting other than that. And, and, and you know, India's like, oh, India, the big bad boys are here. And now suddenly it's like, yeah, yeah thanks, India, for coming. But we're really here for the basketball and, and nothing more. And it's going to be great. I think, you know, it, it should be like India has, you know, I, I don't want to downplay New Zealand's attack at all because they're one of the best attacks in the world. But they missed Kyle Jameson, of course, from a crucial point in, in that second innings chase at Trent Bridge onwards. Big miss. They got some of their selections. Well, I, I wouldn't mm. say wrong, but you know they were weird selections, like mm. not picking Ijaz Patel ever after that first Test match, um, not picking Wagner 
Um, although, you know, maybe the, his performance in that last test kind of justifies why they weren't picking him. I don't know. But, you know, the, the, it's an internal thing, I'm sure. He got um, two wickets in his first overalls. How, how can you criticise him? He did, but then he got smacked for about five sixes right after that. So, you know... It, Should have had Jamie looked, Overton out as well. I mean, the course of history would have been changed if uh, if he'd have been more confident He looked a little bit slower as well. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, yeah. I, I feel like Shami, Bumrah, uh, Siraj, and then, you know, then they pick between either, depending on the pitch, whether they have Ashwin and Jadeja or they go for Lord Shadul Thakur. Um, India is going to come in with a, with, a, with a pretty tasty attack, you know, whatever happens. And it'll be really interesting to see, like you say, they will do it, but I just want to see the results of what happens when Stokes charges down to like Bumrah or, or even Shami. You know, Shami's quick. He's not, he's not slow. Yeah. Um, and, and Bumrah is properly quick. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what, what how how that plays out. The one the one important thing I think to say about all of this is is it's not as brand new as everyone thinks. It's not it's not a reinvention of the wheel that England have pulled off here. They they've just got a clear mind. I mean, you know, they had a clear mind in two thousand four when Michael Vaughan took over as captain and they won every set, every test that summer and then went into the Ashes the following summer and scored four hundred on the first day at Edgebats. And you know, England had done this before. Australia did this in the 1990s, turning into mm. the 2000s, when they were they were the first team to bat at three and a half, four and over consistently, with Matthew Hayden and, and Adam Gilchrist going wild at the top and tail of the innings. And India did it in in, in Brisbane when 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 mm. you know almost almost out of necessity because everyone was everyone was broken. They they threw in a bunch of IPL players who who just thought you know what let's just let's just smack it because that's what we're good at. And lo and behold, they win. It's not brand new. But what is brand new is the fact that England have come in with a with a absolutely wholehearted commitment to it and saying, you know what, mm. come hell or high water, this is the way we play. We're not going, you know, this is the way we play. Became became a, a stick to beat Kevin Peterson with mm. uh, ten years ago. You know, when he yeah. when he reverse swept at uh, Cardiff and got out in the first day of the Ashes, he was he was being beaten with a stick. He'd got a decent seventy from memory, but you know the way he got out, everyone was cross about. You know, Kevin Peterson was doing this a long time ago. Um, he was an exception to a rule back then, and every now and again that exception was exceptional. You know, you think of that one four nine at Headingley against mm. um, against Dale Stain and Co. That was probably the apogee of him being exceptional. Um, but now suddenly, England decided no, this is a wholehearted thing for the first time ever. We are all we're all in this together. It's you know in it together in a way that they haven't been in my opinion since the two thousand five Ashes. That was the last time that they went with this full on bullish mentality that we are not going to back down against our opponents and that's quite an exciting mindset for them to take it didn't last on that occasion of course for various reasons injuries mainly to to Flintoff to Vaughan to Triscothic to Simon Jones the team fell apart almost before it came together but right now the team is literally being built around Stokes and his image and that's why it's so exciting mm. that he's saying look, look I'm I'm setting a template here come on county cricketers come on all you all you young bucks See what we're doing here. Enjoy the ride. Um, come and join us if you're good enough. That, that's that's the message he's putting out, and that that's that is a very different thing. That's very un-English. And that again, you know, that's the that's probably the the factor that, that McCullum is is injected more than anyone. That outsider's nous and ability just to just to take a take a view, say yeah, yeah, we're not going to do it that way. That that way's a, that way's a bit stale and, and and a bit prone to going wrong. Let's just let's just put the pe put the pedal down and see what happens. And then they're also doing it from you know such a low base. I mean, they're that helps. literally <laughs> punching their way up off the canvas. Um, we, uh, we there's, there's one more thing we need to, to talk about uh, while we're here. Uh, we've mentioned his name a few times. 
um, since since we last uh, got together on the pod, of course, England's uh, England played a white ball series, uh, an ODI series uh, in the Netherlands, squeezed in between uh, the second and third tests. Um, more record-breaking stuff. Uh, 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 a uh, world record total of 498 for four in the first um, ODI. Uh, but like many a raucous trip to Amsterdam, there was a cost to count on the return home. Um, and amid the run gluts, uh, Owen Morgan made two ducks. He sat at the final game with a groin niggle. Uh, Miller, he's understood to be ready to step down with a press conference scheduled uh, for Lords this afternoon. Um, firstly, uh, if, he, if it is his time to go, we shouldn't be surprised, I suppose. He's always said he would make the hard decision if he had to. And secondly, um, he goes out really as an England captain without equal. Um, certainly in one-day one cricket, but arguably in the game as a whole. Yeah, I, 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 would, I would completely concur with that. I mean, so much that is going on with English cricket at the moment in the Red Bull game has already happened in the White Bull game because Owen Morgan made it happen. Owen Morgan brought the same outsider's perspective that Brendan McCullum has brought to the test team by being Irish by birth, by coming into a system and by almost becoming captain by accident, even though it was clear almost from the day he started that, that he had the best brain in the side and he should probably be the man pulling the strings. I mean, it was only English reticence for the first what, six years of his England career that, that prevented him from being the leader, frankly. This perverse willingness that England had that their test captain had to be the guy who led the team mm. in the World Cup. I mean, you know, you look you, I, I, from Strauss, you go, go back to Atherton, you go back all the way back down. It was always the case that you, you, you didn't separate the powers. It always had to be the same England captain across, across formats. And finally, they bit the bullet on the eve of that 2015 World Cup. Um, Alistair Cook got the heave-ho. In comes, in comes um, Morgan. And, you know, it didn't work initially. But they kept faith. Andrew Strauss deserves an awful lot of credit for keeping faith after a horrendous World Cup. He said, you know what, we've got the right man in charge here. He just needs to have a system built around him that allows the best to come out. Because Morgan was a, was a, a game-breaking, game-changing performer long before he was England captain. Mm. You know, some of his innings, mm. I've, been, you know, I've been running through the, running through the list of his innings. Some absolutely incredible performances that, that he produced that, frankly, aside from Kevin Peterson, absolutely no one else in the England team could, could produce. You know, England won their first World Cup, uh, T20 World Cup in 2010, a year after Morgan made his England debut. And Morgan and Peterson were basically the, the two guys in that middle order who were standout and different and made it possible. It allowed England to go down the route of saying, you know what, we're not going to have Denley and Trot opening the batting, we're going to have Keysbetter and Lump because, <laughs> because we can go, go down the route of having guys who are going to lump it because we've got quality in that middle order for the first time ever. Um, he, he is, the way, you know, the way he came into the captaincy and uh, transformed it initially, but also held his nerve. The, the, the most important thing about England's journey from losers in 2015 to World Cup champions in 2019 was the fact that they were willing to go too far, in, in, in Brendan McCullum's mm -hmm. words for the test team. They, they were willing to have days when they, when they were 20 for six against uh, South Africa or eight for five against Australia and Adelaide. And Morgan would defend the side. He'd say, no, I'm, I'm not. He'll blame the pitch or he'll blame the conditions or he'll blame something else. He will defend the players. He'd say, no, my, my players are doing the right thing. They're going harder. They, they're testing their limits. They're preparing themselves to be the best in the world. And they got to that point in about 2018 when England, for the first time ever, were favourites for a World Cup. You know, mm -hmm. you know, actually genuine, you know, nailed on favourites for a home World Cup. And Morgan was encouraging them to embrace 
the fact that they were expected to win. And this is absolutely un- unheard of for an England team. England, run into the fear, you might run say. Run into the fear, exactly. <laughs> yeah. that. England have been doing this in, doing this in white ball cricket for, for seven years now in, under, under Owen Morgan. And um, yeah, there is such an immense amount of gratitude that, 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 he, mm. that he is owed for the way in which he's, he has led that side. And also, in, you know, in the same way that uh, you know, Stokes is calling for county cricket to, to look at what's going on and, and come through, in some ways, the absolute best tribute that Morgan could have was that, that weird series last year against Pakistan when, when the whole mm. team goes down with COVID and mm. they, they pull together a scratch team from, from county cricket, the best, best third, third 11 they could find in white ball cricket, and they win 3-0 with a seamless imitation of the side that, that Morgan had built. And Morgan basically said, said as much afterwards. He said, you know, this is, this is the greatest compliment I can have, that, that, that there's complete buy-in to what I've built my mm. team around. Uh, you know, you see it in the under-19s. I talk about them as well, the way they got to the World Cup final. They play exactly in the image of Morgan and his team. Um, he's, he has transformed the expectations of, of English white ball cricket. And, um, you know, in a few years' time, because of the, the way in which the test team seems to be going, if this, if this basketball revolution catches on and they hold their nerve and, and, and win a few, uh, we may, be, may well be saying, yep, he is the most influential England cricketer of all time. You sort of touched on it. It's a bit like planned obs- obsolescence with, with um, Morgan, isn't it? He's like an iPod that's <laughs> designed to be cutting edge until it's overtaken by superior models. Um, I mean, Mo- uh, Oz, in in a way, um, uh, this if if the end is today is coming, then um, he's a little bit of a victim of um, circumstance over the last couple of years. There was uh, a theory or, or, or question about whether he would retire after the World Cup. Uh, mm. In 2019, at that stage, there was uh, a 2020 World Cup uh, on the horizon in Australia in 2020, and then another one in India in 2021. Um, and you know, as the timeline has, has played out, he might have got through both those, but COVID intervened, um, pushed back both of those tournaments, and and, and now uh, he has perhaps come to the end of his um, his life as a as a top level player. I mean, he's he's got two fifties in 28. Um, international innings um, I think that's going back to sort of 20 middle of 2020 um, mm. that the COVID first COVID summer uh, and he's obviously struggled in in sort of even in T20 franchise tournaments around the world um, so uh, you know you'd, all, all players would like to go out on, on a high on uh, um, you know and at the top of their game but at least he will be um, doing so on his own terms it seems yeah absolutely and, and there's a couple of things what one is just kind of touching upon the point Miller made about about him as a batter. You know, it, it's like now, when you talk of Morgan, you talk about the legacy and, and the genes that he brought about and his captaincy and stuff and, you know, being a World Cup winner and stuff. But in his early days, I remember when, when he came onto the scene, he, he was considered a freak, right? He was the, like the original freak who came into mm. the game here because he was playing reverse, all these reverse, shots that you never seen. And <laughs> things yeah, like and, and he was playing shots, you know, he was playing with the kind of intent that you've never seen before. You're like, what's going on here? And, and, and you know, for a while, they fiddled around with the idea of him as a test cricketer. And in a more receptive environment, he, he could have been, I, I reckon, a, a pretty good red ball cricketer as well, a red mm. ball batter, ultimately. You know, it just... A question of what what environment he found himself in. You, you've had guys like Virendra Sehwag thrive in Test cricket. You know, the, there's no reason that Morgan would not have thrived in the game. People talk about his kind of weakness against the short ball, but there's always all kinds of ways of overcoming stuff like that. Once you're playing regularly and importantly, you're in an environment that kind of supports you and and you know and you nourish 
yourself from it. So his his batting, especially because of his form being down over the last couple of years, I think people kind of tend to forget that he, he was the guy that all these guys are now playing like in white ball cricket. Like Morgan is the father of all that. You know, mm. for English cricket, Morgan is literally the father of how you play, in, not just how you lead and how you think about the white ball game, but it's how mm. you bat in a white ball game. Morgan was the guy who was doing that, you know, before anyone, before Jason Roy, before Bairstow, before any of these guys. So that's the first thing is, is it's kind of sad that that, you know, in a good way that that gets forgotten and kind of overlooked by his by his captaincy achievements. And the other thing is, by by you know if he does step down as we all kind of think he you know that that's what he's about to do if he does step down it's it's kind of the ultimate morgan leadership act isn't it because he he clearly recognizes that one he's not good enough anymore uh or you know not good enough but he he just doesn't have it in him to kind of give anymore as a batter and two that there are any number of white ball batters out there who who can and should be replacing him to make that team better which you know Morgan ultimately for all the individual kind of genius of his own batting was very much about like the team that he created you know the, the team was created in his image and there was all these batters in his image but I, I think he's recognized this and it's it's almost like the ultimate act of leadership that he's this Morgan act that he's recognized okay I'm, I'm coming to an end I'm going to step down now because, you know, somebody can replace me and, and the team almost kind of runs on autopilot, the white ball team. Like, you know, that, that culture is very much there. It, it's a question of the next guy, whoever it is, whether it's Josh Butler or Moin Ali who comes in, knowing and being fully part of that culture to kind of just continue it. Um, and, and it's amazing, you know, <laughs> coming coming from the subcontinent and, and the problems that players have there with like kind of retirement generally and stepping away and leaving the captaincy. It, it, it's still strikes me as fairly remarkable that, you know, somebody as big as him with, with as big a legacy as him and and being a World Cup winner, you know, the only English World Cup winning captain in 50 over cricket, for him to voluntarily step down when clearly the team, I think they still want him, right? The team are more than happy to have him as, as their leader. But he, you know, he's he's saying that, no, guys, it's, I, I'm telling you, it's it's for your own good that I'm stepping down, which is like an amazing message to send. Yeah, um, I mean, he was. There was a lot of vocal backing in the Netherlands, uh, Miller. But at the same time, mm. those questions swirling about, you know, where where um, Johnny Besto and Ben Stokes were going to fit back in the team, and how could you drop Liam Livingston <laughs> for a World Cup uh, mm. defence? Um, uh, so yeah, uh, clearly uh, Morgan is taking matters into his own hands there. And then it seems the heir apparent is Joss Butler, who has ascended to be the best white ball batter in the world, or at least in the opinion of well, his I mean, soon-to-be former captain. <laughs> I mean, you, you couldn't really ask for a captain in a better frame of mind than Joss Butler at the moment in white ball cricket. I mean, the way in which he is just bossing every every situation he walks into, in you know, from the IPL to that ridiculous series of innings in, in the Netherlands. <laughs> I mean, you know... He may not have the tactical nous. I mean, I don't think he's not got a tactical nous, but he may not have the tactical nous of Morgan. But so many, so many captains are basically lean on their their batting as as a crutch to to reinforce their authority. And there's no better crutch than 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 the form that that Josh Butler is in. So, you know, that is a great opportunity for him just just to put down a marker this this summer against India and South Africa and just you know carry on 
carry on the the, the mood that he that that is sweeping English cricket. Frankly, I mean, you know, I've got Kumar Sangakkara talking about him opening the bat, opening the batting in Test cricket as well, yeah, which would definitely. be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, uh, Oz mentioned Verenda Sehwag in passing, who I should have actually mentioned earlier when I was talking about no, this is not new. You know, Verenda Sehwag was mm, the absolute yeah. apogee of of a guy who could just bat across all three formats with exactly the mm. same mindset and extrapolate a T20 innings into a 300 from 300 balls. I mean, that, that is, that is the absolute pinnacle of, of, of baseball for one of a, one of a better word, you yeah, know, yeah. and proof that this is not new. This has happened before. It's just, yeah, as I say, that collective buy-in is, is, is something different for England. Uh, but yeah, uh, to go back to the original point, he's the obvious captain and I think he'll do, he'll do a perfectly serviceable job, but um, there's no doubt that everything that, that England have achieved and will achieve for the foreseeable has been put in place uh, by by Morgan's leadership and and moreover his legacy. Right. Well, from uh, uh, the Morgan era to uh, Basball, we'd better leave it there. The non-stop cricket conveyor belt includes an ongoing women's test between England and South Africa. While the men get stuck into the build-up for Edgbaston, there's also the ongoing round of the county championship before the Vitality Blast group stage concludes at the weekend. Go big or go home, as Baz would say. We'll be back for more soon. Um, until then, my thanks to Miller and Oz and to you all for tuning in to the Switch Hit podcast on ESPNCrickInfo.com. Mm-hmm.